0: Hey everybody, welcome in to the My Pets Wellness Weekly Wellness Podcast. My name is Kevin Crispin. I am the Chief of Staff here at My Pets Wellness. Uh, happy to have you with us. Today, our guest, we're having a little spotlight edition here with our Executive Medical Director, Dr. Jason. Hi. Dr. Jason, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. I'm Good. Well. Good. And who's that with you? This is Winnie. This Hi, is Winnie. Are you all right? <laughs> You were running around earlier, weren't you? Yeah, she's zonked. So. Yeah, she is zonked out. Well, Winnie, we're glad to have you here. Anytime <laughs> that you want to say anything, just bark. So just raise her hand. Raise her paw. Thank so. you. Okay. <laughs> um, so... For anybody who's seen the the Wellness Podcast before, uh, we obviously talk about uh, mostly veterinarians and uh, their experience with their job and then their experience with their personal life and their own mental and physical wellness. Uh, Today you've been kind enough to come on and and we had a discussion beforehand what we're going to talk about and we're going to talk about some of the the challenges that you've had in that area, both uh, professionally and personally. Um uh because I think we're big believers here that uh if if we don't talk about these things, one uh we're not going to get past them two people are are, are not going to be able to identify them, right, yeah. and if we can share what we're going through, then people can feel less alone and, and and understand um you know that that there's a lot of universal things going on yeah yeah, so uh well, I mean let's just start with the really kind of the beginning. why did you want to become a vet? Um, it's
1: a good question. I, for me, I, I really liked our vet when I was a kid. Um, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, I thought he was the coolest dude in the world. Okay. And the first chance that I got through school to go and do mentorship, job shadowing, essentially skip a day of school and go hang out with him all day. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to do that starting in sixth and seventh grade and Mm -hmm. got to know him better. And the first day I walked in. Uh, I walked into the the back and I looked over to the right and the OR is there and there's a major knee surgery going on and like bone. And I was like, that's cool. I want, I want to
0: do that. So you could see Um, the dog, the bone mm -hmm. of the dog, Yeah, it was a
1: surgery where the the kneecap pops out of place. uh, And so sometimes you go in and you- Or the patella. Yeah, look at you, doctor words. Yeah. but you make the little groove, it sits in deeper. So there's there's bone and wow. chisels. And okay. I was like, a, it was the coolest thing. And so okay. it it progressed from there. I spent more time shadowing. I got to know him. I started working, volunteering when my mentor got his own clinic mm-hmm. um, and kind of became a, a tech, tech assistant, learned how to help with procedures and okay. get vaccines and just kind of progressed through and.
0: How old were you at this point when you were kind of the tech tech assistant? High school, okay.
1: teens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were days where he was like, my, my Pathfinder needs an oil change. And I was like, I get to drive a Pathfinder? Yep, that's cool, I'll do that. Um, but then the next day it would be like, hey, I need you to help me with this dental procedure. Like, okay. you know, keep an eye on the machine and do this. And he just kind of told me what to do. And it was, you know, the technician was doing other things because he mm-hmm. didn't have a, a real tech. who right. <laughs> was with him. Um, but yeah, it was a great experience, and as I got older, I went through through school and thought about other careers, and I just kind of kept coming back to it. Uh, I kind of kept coming back to vet med. I was like, well, I love sports. I love medicine, maybe like sport med, athletic training, um, but it didn't really fit into my dream of having a family because those are the careers that you either work in a college town or you travel all the time. And so yeah. I kind of kept exploring these other options, and it all kept coming back to I love being able to care for people. Mm -hmm. I love, and I have a strong passion for animals. Mm -hmm. And I wanna be able to have a life and take care of my family and have a family. And so something that challenged me personally, professionally, academically, and was able to fulfill all the goals I wanted out of a career, I just kinda kept coming back to it.
0: Okay, yeah, and so obviously you chose vet school and you said academically. Um, I've not been to vet school uh, yet. Don't. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I imagine it's very stressful. Uh, yeah. Is it three years? Four. Four, four, four years. So, so tell us, tell us about your experience there kind of, and what, what particular stresses come into play there?
1: Yeah. I mean, vet school's a, a unique beast. The best way I've found to describe it to, um, college students, to co work anyone that's thinking about going, is it, it's really like taking an entire year of college mm-hmm. every semester. So... It's it's not that every single topic is exceptionally difficult. It's the sheer amount of information with and the pace with which you have to learn it. So it it's just a ton of information condensed down into a very, three years sounds long. It's not a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. And each vet school has a different curriculum and a different protocol they go through. There are some where you go into the classroom for a year and then into the clinic and then back to the classroom and back to the clinic. Okay. Um, Georgia's is, where I went is a straight few years um, in the academics and then 14 months straight in clinics. And so you just kind of depends on where you are as far as how that's going to be catered. Um, but it's, it's a difficult experience. It's you spend eight to 10, six to eight hours a day in class followed by the amount of time you really need to dedicate to studying either in a lab or a library or by yourself. Mm-hmm. And so finding any way to balance the class demands, the outside of class studying demands, and then for you know the the students that have to work <laughs> uh, to pay for school, uh, you have jobs, so a good amount of people had those. Um, and then you add in extracurriculars and a social life. Um, it's a tough balancing act. And so uh, it it can be really hard to feel like, have that outlet for a lot of of vet students.
0: Gotcha, yeah, okay. Uh, Just the amount, I I, I keep thinking about that one year of college in a semester alone, along with all the responsibilities that come uh, with learning how to be a vet and then what that means and and that. So you get through vet school at Georgia as, um, Looks like Winnie is still very proud of that. Yeah. Um, and uh, you moved into practicing medicine, obviously. Mm-hmm. So um, I think something that I've learned in a little bit that I've worked with veterinarians and a little bit on this podcast is often, especially for a younger veterinarian who maybe doesn't have a mentor or is just kind of getting their feet wet in, in the actual field, right? We're outside of the classroom. Um, you have a specific idea uh, about the medicine that you want to practice and then you kind of come into uh, the what we'll call the real world, right? The clinical setting and you're not owning the practice and so you feel you might run into an issue where you're trying to practice the medicine that you learn and you feel is ethical and you run into problems where you don't feel you're seeing eye to eye uh, with with management. So can you give us an example of of that where uh-huh. that, that occurred with you?
1: Yeah, I, um, that's a, that's a great point. You know, I think we all graduate with knowing the gold standard, Mm -hmm. knowing the way we're supposed to practice. And then a lot of us get into practice and get told that, nah, you don't need to do that. Just do it this way. Like Um, short, like kind of like shortcut type of thing. uh, Yeah. Short, short shortcut, old school, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Um, I've been doing it this way 30 years. You don't need to do that. Um, so, or we don't, we don't need to buy that monitor or that instrument. Like it's fine without it, you know? So, uh, I've been doing dentals for X years without dental x-rays. We don't need them. So there's those sorts of pushbacks that you run into early in your career. You know, for me, my, my big struggle in my first job was running into a situation where non-medical management had a lot of power and a lot of influence and. I felt like every single decision I was making was being questioned. Um, Not not just because of the looks and the off comments that were being made, but I I was closer in age to our technicians than my employer. Mm -hmm. And so they would come back to me and be like, hey, this is being said about you.
0: They being the technicians Uh would come back, okay.
1: And be like, hey, this is going on. Like management's taking your cases to your boss behind your back because they don't agree with what you're doing. And even though my bosses, the doctors, would agree with me, no, feeling like everything was being second-guessed by someone who doesn't know anything about medicine, it's a, it was a very hard place to work. It was a tough place to be in. Um, and I know I'm not alone in, right. in experiencing something like that.
0: And you had, so you, uh, having been kind of a, intern tech as a, as a high school student uh, and then you had a pretty good relationship with these these techs uh, and so they were coming to you and letting you know this is kind of what's going on yeah and that of uh, i imagine that can kind of under get under your confidence and and that type of thing uh what was your like was it uh you you felt your confidence was shaken were you frustrated like what was your big takeaway from that
1: uh I think it to me it was less confidence and more feeling like very quickly that this is not where I'm supposed to be, like instead of feeling like oh this non medical person's questioning my medicine, and I should question what I'm doing, I was confident in my knowledge, you know, maybe sometimes to a fault, um, which a lot of us are early on. Um, Okay. But for me, it was a message of like, I'm being treated like I'm not wanted, I'm not trusted, and I don't belong. And so it was very soon from starting my first job to thinking like, it's time to look for another job.
0: When you say very soon, how how long?
1: I started looking within the first six months and I left at nine months.
0: Wow. Okay. Um, I think you've articulated this, but you started looking because you didn't feel this is where you were supposed to be? It was,
1: I hated going to work. Like I, I, there was a person in the building that I knew didn't like me, didn't trust me, didn't think that I knew what I was doing. And having this that- This management. Manage, the manager, okay. yeah. Not
0: not the, DV, not the other DVO.
1: No, the owners were kind of, they wouldn't stand up to their employee, which was odd to me. Um, gotcha, okay. But they, Supported me and they said positive things, but nothing ever changed.
0: See, so, yeah, and you talk about you—you you called it the gold standard coming out of vet school and practicing good medicine, and that's something that you definitely wanted to do. Can you give us some examples? One where you thought that you were practicing the right medicine and uh, you clashed with management on that, and then two, um, kind of how you reacted to it and how you felt.
1: Yeah. Um. I don't know if I have a good specific on, on a case like that from that first year. Okay. You know, I I had an experience later in my career, um, that was definitely a clash, um, where I had a a series of patients come in for skin issues. It's the summer and it's the south. Like it's gonna happen. Yeah. And, you know, the way that that we're taught. Uh, a lot of our dermatology approaches as you, you know, the more current teachings are topical therapies, oral antibiotics when needed, and it's not an emergency. And I I had a very uncomfortable conversation with owner manager at that time that was like, hey, you need to be giving these pets antibiotic injections to get them started uh, because it'll pad the bill. Um, And it was a completely different class of drug. It mm-hmm. would not have benefited the pet at all. Mm-hmm. And I was being put in a place where I was told to do something not necessary, not beneficial from from my directives purely for financial reasons. And I, I wouldn't do it. I didn't. Okay. And,
0: and what was their reaction to that?
1: Uh, I parted ways with that hospital.
0: Okay, <laughs> I take it. all right, gotcha.
1: Um, I mean, it, it's one where I wasn't willing to compromise and I knew the situation I was putting myself in, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to spend my client's money or, or question my own ethics just to appease somebody. I'm gonna do what the right thing. And I knew the situation I was putting myself in, whether it was one where I was like, I'm gonna walk away from here, or I'm going to keep doing this and know that if they don't like it, they're probably going to want to move on from me. And it's, it's a a decision that that some of us have to make. Okay. And it sucks. Yeah. I mean, Um, uh,
0: and and you said multiple times when you were talking about why you wanted to be a vet and then the actual application of being a vet, one of the things you took into account was having a family, taking care of your family. Being at home with your family. So uh, we talked about the professional a little bit. Let's talk about the personal. Uh, when you were in, when you were at this job, did you have a family at this time? Were you married?
1: So in a one-month time span, I finished my clinics. I graduated from vet school. I got married. I moved across country, and I started my first job.
0: And this was all in one <laughs> month? All in one month. Wow. Uh, eight years ago. So... Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, uh, that's a lot. I just moved across the country myself and that that alone is enough, right? Yeah. Um, So you have that and then also uh, you're married now and um, you're going to work. You're coming home and you're not happy to be at work, right? It is what you were saying. You did not want to go there. So in your relationship, how did you bring that home? Daily. Um, I mean we don't have,
1: (laughs) there's not a lot to talk about uh, for a lot of us other than what happens during our day. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of us, that's the conversation you have with your significant other is, how was your day? What's going, you know? And so the, the stress, the frustrations, the disappointment, the whatever emotions I had, that's what I would pour on to to my my wife. That's what I would come home and and just like, I I had to let that out because I have to keep it in all day at work. I can't Mm -hmm. react in these situations. I have to stay professional. And so whether it was management or a client, which definitely happens, um, Mm -hmm. or a day where like I just felt overwhelmed or a day where I made a mistake and couldn't like Cause again, there's things that happen. There's a, there was a- you were,
0: you were very, you would be very hard on yourself for the mistake huh. that you made.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my first spays in practice, I did everything by the book and I lifted up the skin and I like poked it with the little blade. And somehow when I pinched the skin, I grabbed the uh, flap of like fat and blood vessels that wraps around the intestines. And my little teeny poke, like everything's down here, little teeny poke, cut a artery in that fatty tissue. And so as soon as I touched it, blood just started coming up and I was like, uh, what did I do? And I had to like scream for my boss to come in and help me and everything was fine, the dog did fine and everything was fine. But like, that like, I like, that was a hard thing to shake and that came home. I was off for a few days because of that experience. Mm -hmm. And so it's, everything comes home.
0: So yeah, and you said this was, uh, when I said when you, how would you bring it home? You said your answer was daily yeah uh, and yeah, you're right. I think we all <clears throat> if we do if we do have a significant other at home or whomever we speak to when we're done with work, uh, it's a good starting point for your discussion. How was your day? What happened today? Um, so it sounds like these are some pretty straining situations, right And you come home and I think I keep focusing on this word daily because yeah, every once in a while I'm coming home and be like, ah blah blah this that or the other thing. did you feel that? the fact that you were coming home daily with these extra stresses of being a veterinarian, the stress of being in, in the environment that you ran, especially at this first job and not happy that that had an effect on your relationship. A hundred percent.
1: Like I, a hundred percent. There's a reason that, I mean, I had a class of a hundred and I think two or three got divorced just during vet school. You know, it's, it's very, for me what i think happened was as i went through vet school and went into the my career a lot of what i identify like myself with transitioned from whatever my own personal identity was to my identity became veterinarian like that became the defining thing of who i am Mm -hmm. and so it became harder and harder to be a good partner and be a good spouse because my priorities were career and that's kind of like what are you thinking about how are you doing like what's in your mind like it was always work it wasn't the things that i used to like i wouldn't think about music i wouldn't think about hiking i wouldn't think about homebrewing or these other things that i used to do or sports in general like yeah. watching sports and paint it to whatever like mm-hmm. i those things that defined like my hobbies, personality, got turned down Mm -hmm. from a nine to a one, as a vet just became more and more and more of what that was. And so any, all of our interactions, like that's what I was thinking.
0: That's what I would wake up at night thinking about. And do you feel like she, all of those things, the hiking Jason, the music Jason, the sports Jason, do you feel like she felt like she was losing that and then the relationship all became the veterinarian side of things? At least from her perspective, probably. I mean, I, I think guess that's that, not a fair question. Cause, yeah. yeah uh, I mean,
1: I think what happened is that I I allowed being a, a vet to become so important to me mm-hmm. that I forgot to that how important it is to be a spouse, and then especially once kids came into the mix. Okay. Like once we had kids, my priorities were my kids my career, I th- thought it was my spouse, and then maybe myself. And that's the like most wrong how to take care of your life order, which I've realized, I mean, going what, through- What would you
0: say is wrong about that order?
1: Because if you don't take care of yourself first, you can't take care of anybody else. Uh, that's the biggest thing I've learned going through divorce is that I I did it all wrong. That's,
0: it, Uh, it's something that we come back to over and over again and it's not to belittle your story at all but it if you don't take care of yourself first you're not going to be able to take care of anybody else and it's something we've spoken with dr rodney about i know that you and i have spoken about it and it's a whether in the vet industry or not it's a really really um, challenging lesson to learn
1: yeah yeah no i mean i it's 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 funny now that I think, like I talk to my friends, whether they're in the vet field or not, mm-hmm. and the ones that have the perceived happiest life, that have the perceived happiest, like most successful marriage relationships are the ones that when I sought their advice, you know, too little, too late now, but it mm-hmm. was like, yeah, my priorities in life and they're, you know, a few of them are more religious, so they would put you know religion or God sure. at the top, then themselves, then their spouse, then their kids, then their career, and that's how it should be. Um, but it's easy for us to never turn it off because this is a career. When you say us, you mean
0: veterinarians, that's, right? Yeah, because okay. it's it.
1: So many of us do it because of we we love what we do and we care deeply about our patients and we care deeply about our our clients and so putting them at the bottom of the rung in some ways feel selfish or you can feel you know guilty i know dr rodney and you have talked about yep. you know putting guilt on yourself for the wrong reasons and i think it's definitely plays a role i mean i've my my last job i would work i would come home i would have dinner and bedtime with my kids uh-huh. i'd put them to bed I'd help my my spouse with dishes and cleaning, and then she'd go to bed, and I'd set up the computer and finish work for another couple hours, and then I'd oh. go to bed and do it again. And,
0: and those- carrying all of that home. And I think maybe a, a layman, I hate that term, but maybe somebody who's not a vet or has never been a vet or has only been to the vet as a customer can say, well, that's obviously. In a lot of ways, that's a job that you can just leave there because you're not going to work on a dog when you're at home. But uh, I'm guessing you were updating records, you were responding to
1: emails, right. checking in on patients, finishing medical records. Because again, I didn't want to stay late and miss seeing my kids because they're only awake till seven thirty or eight, and we close at six ish. So. Right. You know, if I could get out of work, commute home and spend an hour and an hour and a half with my kids, I'm not going to spend an extra 40 finishing records. I'll do those later. I'll do them before I go to bed. Uh, I'll respond to this email later. Um, Because especially at busy hospitals, you know, a lot of us work through lunch. We'll take on that extra appointment and you don't make time for yourself to to take a break, to return phone calls, to return emails, to eat lunch. And so you get to the end of the day and you're starving, you're exhausted, you're stressed, the paperwork's not done, but you still wanna see your family. So you go home and you're not the best version of yourself by any means. And then the only thing you wanna talk about
0: is your all the like stresses and frustrations and sometimes good things. But you come home and every day as you said daily, how did how did you perceive that your wife reacted at first uh, to this uh, when when this kind of became the cadence?
1: Yeah, um, for a long time, it, it didn't seem to be an issue. Okay. Um, because again, that's what a good supportive partner is going to do is be there, listen, let you talk to them, and and hear you out. And so, in my story. You know, I I don't think I realized the detrimental effect it was having on my marriage, on my relationship until it had taken a pretty dramatic toll. It wasn't something where it was like, I you need you to stop talking about this. I can't, like, whatever. Like after several years, four, five, six years, there was the point where it was like, hey, like, you know, can we maybe like cap work talk? Like there would be a, there was a quick conversation, a conversation that was like, hey, you know what, like, I get it, it's a big part of your day, but like, can we maybe come home, talk about it for 10, 15 minutes, and then move on? Mm-hmm. But it was years in before that conversation happened.
0: And you didn't feel, for whatever reason, just you're, you were not perceiving that this was an issue.
1: No, and I don't know if that's just my personality being oblivious to things at times, or are you agreeing? Um <laughs> or if it's that I wasn't getting that feedback um or a combination of both
0: mm-hmm.
1: but i i mean especially when my first few years of my career we were out in Colorado um graduated from Georgia moved to Colorado and didn't really have a social life didn't have friends out there oh, that's um hard. That's had really a couple hard. of friends through her friends and i had the people i worked with um I I still love my boss, that man is family to me, but he has a couple decades on me. So it's a little different being buddy-buddy there. And there's always that line where doctors, especially younger doctors, new in your career, you're closer in age to your technicians, you feel a closer bond to them, but it's not super appropriate to go out and like, there's this feeling of like, you're not supposed to go out and socialize and like do that with your staff or there's a line you have to keep. the, that, that always made me like keep a distance from my technicians, especially when we were so close in age. Um, okay. I feel like I have a better grasp on that at this point in my career where I can become friends with my techs, but also maintain professionalism.
0: Sure. Um,
1: but that's really hard. I think for doctors early in their career too.
0: Okay. Um, so you said years into the relationship, um, you there was a conversation I had like, hey, let's let's cap this. Mm-hmm. okay. Uh, and then uh, how did how did it evolve from there?
1: I did a good job for oh, a good. little while. okay, for a little while. Okay. Um, and it's, you know, change like that, finding a way to not talk about the only thing you have to talk about, yep. is difficult to maintain a personality. Um, if this is all you are, mm-hmm. if it's gotten to a point where like that's all that you've got, and that's who you are, and you've got to a point where being a Fed has become your identity, and you can't talk about that, it's hard to maintain and
0: dialogue. Did you did you struggle with what sounds like a realization that hey, this is most of who I am? Did was that? One, am I hearing that correctly?
1: You're hearing it. Uh, I don't think I realized it until like going through the personal discovery repair phase of divorce. Like, I don't think I really understood how far I had come from who I was um, in undergrad, in grad school, and then through the time in my career, I don't think I really perceived how much of a change there was. until I had that giant wake up call that was like hey guess what your world's like going to be shaken right now um, you know my identity was dad my identity was vet and my identity was husband mm-hmm. i didn't think it was un- relevant i was like i'm still me like Meh. but I, like never thought it was relevant to like think about investing in me
0: gotcha yeah it was a um yeah uh i'm just i'm just kind of thinking because there's just so much obviously we're just you know skimming the surface from your perspective but the the uh, the, the effect that i believe you called a wake-up call uh, that you or your world was shaken i think yeah. is what you said the effect that would have on your wellness physical mental across the board is You know, earth chattering to to continue the metaphor. So um, it's, and you're right, you didn't, you said that you didn't realize until later. And so often um, we have to be the child who perpetually is burning our hand on the stove in order to learn. And that is hard. And if I, but at the same time, it's like finding. And and let me know if I'm not hearing this correctly, but finding the grace within yourself to allow yourself to say, yes, I had to realize it the way that I realized it.
1: Yeah. It's, for me, um, there was a book that I read, listened to, um, that really helped me. And one of the things that talked about was, until you accept the situation you're in as what is supposed to happen to you, you won't be able to heal and you won't be able to grow. And so as long as I was looking at my life, like, why is this happening? This shouldn't be happening. I, I was supposed to have the white picket fence and the wife and kids and the vet job and like the, the, boxer. the boxers and the Disney trips. And like, yeah. that was my life. And this isn't fair. Why is this happening? That's not what was supposed to happen to my life. Mm-hmm. Until I got to a point where I was like, who, who am I now? Who was I? How much have I changed? Was I actually happy in realizing that this is the path I'm supposed to be on? That this is where I'm supposed to be headed and that this self-discovery getting here is no matter how rough the path has been is what's supposed to happen to me. Like that was the biggest light bulb moment. That was the biggest change for me. I think I've talked to myself in a circle away from your question, but
0: no, I, no, um, you, I don't. I don't think that you have, um, and I, I think you're describing something that, vet or not, whatever situation people are in life, people I think come to that point maybe once, more often than once, but it is a very hard point to get to. Um, and I think it's it's really admirable and courageous of you to share the story that you did with us today, um, because uh, it's 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 a lot, and it's it, again I you know thank you for sharing that, and and for sharing all this with us because again talking about this stuff is how we understand it, it's how we feel less alone, um, and and it's how we all heal, and so thank you and you know as a parting question. Um, what do you think is important now? There's, <laughs> there's a lot I'm sure, but what do you think is important for vets to remember as they navigate their work environment with their personal, their relationships, their family?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, that's an easy question. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. Just,
0: just you know, no big deal. Yeah.
1: Um, I think that that when I. About the important things to, to be cognizant of, sorry, I was in your way. Um and, and to be really attentive to as you try to navigate through vet school and into this career is remembering and forcing yourself to set boundaries. Remember that you have to take care of yourself and that. At the end of the day, this is a career, this is a job. And be very, very aware of where it can flirt with identity. And, and you want it to be part of who you are, not who you are. Um, you know, I think that when it comes to relationships, you know, my biggest lesson was learning that nothing's guaranteed, there's no checkbox, You know, there's not, I've got a spouse, cool, move on, next thing, I can focus on this. Like, there's no, like, I'm a dad, checkbox, cool. Like, those kids are gonna grow up. Like, you have to realize that every person and every relationship in your life is a living, breathing thing that you have to invest in, you have to take care of. So whether it's yourself or your relationship or your parenting journey or your career, Because even if you decide that you'll invest in all of this and your career comes last, that's gonna show. And you have to be able to still take care of it. You can't just say like, I finished vet school, I'm done. You have to further your education. You have to want to grow and be a better doctor. Just don't let it become the only plant that you water and fertilize.
0: It's a whole garden. Right. Um, Awesome, and again, Thank you very much uh, for for sharing your story with us. Admirable, courageous, and much appreciated. Um, and I,
1: yeah, I ahead, um, sorry. no, I mean for me, the one thing I want to say is that you know there are a lot of vets out there that have stories similar to mine that are much more difficult than mine that have been through things that they you know only share in in secret mm-hmm. and even if just one person is 3 years before being in this boat of divorce and all of these things and you can take this story and learn from it that's that's why to me it's really important what we're doing and it's important to you know talk with your colleagues and talk with peers and build relationships with other vets is that you know I don't want to see another doctor let it take them over to the point where they end up having to go through and learn lessons the way that I did. I'd rather share this story, share the experience that I've been through to maybe prevent the next person from having to learn lessons the hard way.
0: Yeah. And I think that's well said. And I think, you know, for anybody who's out there is watching and, and, um, uh, is is finding this familiar, or it's resonating with them? You know, you can always. Uh, can you talk just a little bit about on Thursday nights? Yeah, uh, what we do for we yeah. have a vet support group and kind of what that is. Yeah.
1: Work. So we have our, our My Pets Wellness, Wellness Rounds as part of our DVM support network. And mm-hmm. so it is a support group like conversation. It's on a Google Meet. It's very casual. Dr. Rodney uh, is on and uh, kind of helps guide and, and guide the conversations, mm-hmm. but not take them over or lead. It's really just led by us that mm-hmm. are there to talk um and if that's not your if that's not your jam like if you don't want to be on a video chat with strangers even if we're all vets you know there are great organizations out there that have um public and private forums where you can talk to other doctors and so there's lots of resources out there that whether it's uh the group that we run on thursdays um it's thursdays at 7 central you know, it's open to everyone or somewhere else. You know, it's important that you find that outlet to connect with doctors that don't necessarily work in the same building as you.
0: Very true. And um, I think uh, a couple things uh, I'm going to go a little off the cuff here and say, I think that do you, do you know some of these outside of, if, if people aren't comfortable coming to that, do you know some of these, Yeah. Uh, what I want to ask is. If we were to get some links to those, could we put those maybe mm-hmm. in the description of this video so that people could <clears throat> check those out if they're not comfortable coming, of course, to the DVM support group? So, yeah, let's let we'll do that as well. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, as he said, seven central on Thursdays. If you go to mypetswellness.net, um, you can learn more about our DVM support group and sign up for that. So, um, Dr. Jason, thank you again, yeah, sir, um, uh, for sharing your story and, and your wisdom much appreciated um thank you everybody uh for tuning in today uh we hope you're doing well out there and uh, we'll see you next week on the my pets wellness weekly wellness podcast have a good one take care thanks winnie